1: What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a Deep League Focused Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White. I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schweby Weber. Schwebsey. Happy PitchCon, buddy. Hi friends, and happy
2: pitchcon to you all. I'm actually uh I, I'm actually all warmed up today. I feel like I'm I'm in a strong place to outdo you for the first time ever on this podcast, because I I've already done things today. I've done a pitchcon panel today.
1: Yeah, how was your panel? You had a panel with it was with oh gosh, um, I'm so sorry, I've already Sam Lutz. Uh, I, just to,
2: I just wanted to see you flounder. I couldn't save you. David Mendelson
1: nailed it. That that, that is remembered. right. There we go. Yeah, Sam, had, uh, Sam Lutz. It, it was a, it was draft like ad adp battles essentially. It was
2: yes. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with Sam Lutz, he is one of our writers here at PictureList. He does going deep articles, and uh, Dave Mendelson is one of the wonderful minds behind triple play fantasy. I actually did a yes. guest spot on one of his episodes recently. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. We did ADP battles, like all up and down the ADP range. And I, uh, i and I'll never forgive Dave for this. I had to choose between Brandon Nimmo and Lars Newt two of my large adult children. And I, I hated it.
1: I, I chose. Yeah, it was awful. I was going to say, I'll be honest. I didn't see the entire panel. Cause I was making myself dinner while you were on. I apologize. So I didn't catch everything. I did catch you very distressed between uh, Newt Bar and Nemo, which brought me such joy. I was really glad that Dave put you in that position. Honestly, that was very entertaining. It was entertaining mean, it was for mean me is what it was. It was rude. It was terrible. It was, it was quite rude, but entertaining for me. Nonetheless, never uh, again. Never again. Um, what, What's been your favorite PitchCon uh, panel so far? I'm incredibly biased because like these people, I consider both these people my friends, but it was the choosing all of the major award winners for 2023, and that was with uh, Janice Curio and Ellen Adair and Justin Mason. A uh, big fan of both Ellen and Janice, obviously, and then Justin's an amazing human being as well. I uh, have not had as much of an opportunity to interact with Justin as I'd like to, but uh, everything that I've heard from literally everyone that's interacted with Justin has been overwhelmingly positive, and he's a figurehead in the community, so... Uh, I think that was probably my favorite so far because it was it was just like, I think I I, will be honest I do get sometimes just a little bit burnt out on fantasy stuff just because we're looking at it all at it all the time right. It's nice to just be able to listen to people talk about regular old baseball for a little bit.
2: I think Justin Mason is like the fun uncle of the fantasy baseball space.
1: The uncle, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's such a such a good uh, niche to be a part of. But yeah, no, I I agree that was a really fantastic panel. One of my favorites was and I'm going to be a corporate shill here. Uh there we go. It it was the opening. It was when we dropped the uh the bomb that will hopefully shake up the uh the industry of uh PLV, which is going to be dropping yes. with PL8. And I yes, I am being a corporate shill, but also it's really good uh, you know, being staffers, we have some, a little bit of behind the scenes access and the, the stats and information and the presentation, all of it, it's, it's going to be some really, really cool stuff that we're going to bring to
1: you all in the coming weeks. Yeah, It's going to be super duper great. Uh, excited about that as well. Um, everything that I've seen so far, of PLV and the tools like obviously there's some stuff that we can't actually show anyone or talk about in specifics so far but some of the tools that are going to be made available to folks that are like members of Pitcherlist uh are going to be really really incredible prepping for this upcoming draft season and beyond uh really really excited about that so uh PitchCon still going on for one more day we are uh recording this on what is it friday yeah friday night and it will be going on through tomorrow so it starts at noon Eastern time tomorrow and runs all the way through 10 p.m. I believe Uh, it's the final day, final chance to make donations to the ALS association. So if you do that, obviously wonderfully appreciated. Uh, And yeah, feel free to join us. Schwebzy and I will probably be in Twitch chat throughout the day at different intervals. Uh, You can harass us for any of our bad takes that we might have. Uh, I know Schwebzy loves that personally.
2: Yes. And there are some really fun panels tomorrow. We get the yearly fireside chat with Paul Sporer and nicholas professor pollock we get uh sleeper picks from jason Colette, todd zola and ryan bloomfield three you know of the great minds in the fantasy world uh scott chu is going to do his rolling charts panel and it is basically a meme in the fantasy community now uh scott and his rolling charts but they've been upgraded this year
1: because this year he gets Mm. to use pl plv rolling charts he does he's very excited about it too he wants us to do a little bit of a segment on that in one of our episodes which i think we will do in the next couple of weeks here uh, and it'll probably be a big part of our analysis when we go into our position previews. So keep an eye out for that as well. Um, Schwebzi, is there anything else that we wanted to cover before we hop into what is going to be a mailbag episode?
3: Well, uh, something happened to you lately. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Jordan was nominated for an FSWA award, not just one FSWA award, but two, for his research article on weighted earned strikes, which is the enhanced version of CSW that he worked out.
1: I don't, yeah, I don't really have words for any of that. I mean, literally on the last episode that we recorded, I talked about how I very often struggle with imposter syndrome and how, I mean, There's a lot of voices in our community and everything like that. There's a lot of incredibly smart people, people who I genuinely do believe are like much smarter than me and much sharper analysts. So, the fact that there are people in our community that found value in and appreciated what I wrote and enough to one, nominate me and two, have me be a finalist for two separate awards is pretty mind blowing. So, just like I don't know, thank you to everyone. Uh, super duper awesome. Obviously, huge thanks, probably most to both Nick and Alex for, like, coining CSW, which kind of laid the groundwork for what I did. Plus, like, I literally would not have had an article if it wasn't for Jeff Nicholas, who was one of the data analysts over at PitcherList. Like, he was a massive, massive help for me. Uh, and I can't thank him enough. And obviously, like, there was a few people who nominated me for the award. So super-duper appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's a pretty cool feeling. I am
2: so excited to be the only non-award winner on this podcast. I'm not so that award I can, winner
1: yet, I'm a nominee, I'm I, a finalist. The fu-
2: I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm excited for the future, uh, ah, yes, which okay. which will will happen. Uh, and I'm I'm really excited to add that to the list of you know you being the the smarter, better looking, funnier half of this podcast and award winning, future award winning.
1: It's absurd to me that we could have. Honestly, either of us. Like, mostly, I'm just surprised that I was nominated. Like, don't get me wrong, but like. The idea that the the phrase "award winning" will be in any way associated with this absolute meme of a podcast is is pretty hilarious to me and pretty awesome. So, yeah,
2: super dope. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if FSWA actually sends out physical awards to the winners, but if they don't, I'm going to send you one.
3: Maybe even it if be? they do. What should- I don't even, I don't know if they do or not.
1: I, I wonder what, what would you send me as an award, like a physical I, uh, a commemoration of this event if I somehow win one of these awards? I'm not
2: sure that uh, on a family-friendly podcast that I am allowed to, to uh, think do out it. loud for what I would send. No, do no. It. Although one thing that happened on, at, at PitchCon today, in, in the panel that Jordan was talking about, <laughs> the, fir- the first... <laughs> The first F bomb on the on in PitchCon history was dropped and it made me so happy, but also disappointed that it was not me.
1: That's fair. I mean it was it was very, very funny. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen Nick. Uh, Nick had a better reaction time than someone hitting a tank off a hundred mile an hour fastball.
2: Nick Jumping Nick's out of the panel
1: it. and being like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a family friendly show.
2: Nick's uh, like baseball savant slider for reaction
1: time, like outfielder jump, is fantastic. <laughs> it was very, very funny. Uh, yeah, also kind of sad that that wasn't either of us. Shocked that it wasn't either of us. I feel like someone dropped one on... It, was, it wasn't an F-bomb, but it was a different swear uh, on the staff panel that we did two years ago now. Oh was that, that the was two staff panel?
2: Yes, yes, the impromptu one. I remember that. I was watching that in my old apartment on like the big screen. I remember
1: that. Yeah, but anyways, uh, yeah, so pitchcon going to be running for one more day once we release this episode. Obviously it's going to come out Saturday morning, so the rest of that day you'll have to enjoy 10 hours of Glorious Glorious Baseball, and then all the uh, VODs for that should be available on Twitch right away and then YouTube the following week, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yep. Twitch has stopped making things
2: available like during, so you have to wait until the end of the uh, ten hours uh, recording. But they will be available immediately after on Twitch.
1: For sure. Okay. Um, show, is there anything else we want to cover before we jump into this? uh no. I, I think we're ready to uh, ready to rock. All right. Cool. Let's let's hop into some mailbag questions then. So, uh, this first one here is from esteveo Maximo. He's a member of the Pitchless Discord as well as uh, a friend of the pod in a couple leagues with both of us. Uh, his question is, do we buy into the Jose Siri projections? So I actually didn't really know that Jose Siri was projected to have like a really productive season. Uh, and I, I had not been paying attention to this at all. So Schwebzy, uh what do you think of the outlook? Cause I think that there's a lot of projection systems based off of what I saw that are kind of disagreeing on what he is going to be and what kind of production he's going to provide.
2: Yeah, it's like he's got good projections from uh, depth charts and Steamer, and then he's got bad projections from the Bat and the Bad X, and then a kind of kind of in the middle from ATC because that's you know that's what ATC does. Uh, I I think the plate discipline projections kind of tell most of the story here, as far as how good of a hitter he is. Be and I I, I think the answer is he is not a very good hitter. But I'm not sure that actually matters as far as his fantasy output. He might be a 15-15 player with 90-plus runs, and that's very relevant in a deep league, even if he does only walk 5% of the time and hit 210. If he does meet some of the more aggressive projections, like, he'd be a screaming value. But, I mean, I, I know this feels like a weird comparison, like, intuitively, but... He's basically Cody Bellinger. No?
3: Huh. I don't hmm. Well, like that's Cody an interesting Bellinger comp.
2: Cody Bellinger with fewer walks. They both play really they both play really good defense. They both swing and miss a ton. They both have like 15-15 yeah. projections. A little bit more power for uh, for Bellinger, but Siri could absolutely hit this, the the 20 home runs that Bellinger's probably going to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you look at the projections right now, obviously, like, Bad X has Siri for about 13 homers, ATC 13 homers. Uh, Steamer and Fangraph's draft calculator are much more optimistic about his home run totals and just, like, counting stats in general across the board, it feels like. I think, like, more conservatively, I'd say, like, maybe, like, 15-15 player with 90-plus runs is maybe a little bit much for me. I'd say, like, 75-ish runs. Is more realistic and probably like a combined like one thirty runs plus RBIs because he's probably going to be hitting. I mean, where is he projected to hit in that lineup right now? Is my question. Ninth. Ninth. ninth so yeah, I mean, like the opportunity is going to be limited just because of that. Um, I'm probably a little bit lower than most of these projections are on Siri. I think they're a bit optimistic, but that said. I think the speed is definitely there. This is like someone who's going to be going like, right now is going like 343 ADP in draft since the beginning of the year, I believe. Gonna make sure I set my parameters right on this. Yeah, since the beginning of the year, he's been going uh, ADP of 343 in NFBC leagues. So for me, that's like an excellent value for someone who's gonna be playing every day and can provide you that many steals.
2: You know, an interesting thing about the projection the projections they top out at 19 stolen bases he stole 14 in like 200 fewer plate appearances last year than the projections are projecting um yeah and he only got caught stealing twice he's got elite sprint speed yep. if he's like, and, and the rays are not shy about running i feel like if siri continues to steal at a high rate he's going to have the green light like if he gets to 500 plate appearances. You know, I said fifteen, fifteen. It, this could be fifteen, thirty. So
3: that part of the projection, I actually think, is low. Of the stolen base part of the equation. Yeah, I am
1: curious too. Obviously, this is another thing that a lot of the projections don't have baked in yet is rule changes, right? Uh, right. Between I the mean, shift between the bigger bases and everything like that, the throwover rule. Now you're getting a maximum help. of three throwovers there's like interesting strategy to be Im- I, there was a thread i saw on twitter i cannot remember who posted it or not or if it was an article that someone posted i really i'm really sorry uh, i'm not going to quote it directly cuz i'm i don't want to misquote whoever it was that posted it but essentially what it was is like
3: there there's a little bit of like
1: mind games to be played with the throwovers
2: yeah i it's I meant I said this on the panel today, like we're we're in for a very interesting season because I like stolen bases are going to rise. They almost have to. But the question is how much? Like, is it going to like are we gonna go back to the times when like Tony Womack and Jose Reyes were stealing 70 bases? Are we gonna go back that far? Like probably not because the game just isn't the same as it was back then. But teams were starting to steal more already. Before the rule changes, because runs are harder to score right, like right now in in 2022 than they had been in the past few years, uh, because there were fewer home runs, so teams need to figure out how to score without the home run being as prevalent. And one of the ways they did that, they ran more. So it's it's just, just going to be such an interesting year for like league wide trends and to see, yeah, especially
1: like the cutting edge teams like the Rays. Maybe they're going to run like crazy. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely do think that we'll see someone steal 70 bags in the next couple of
3: years with the new rules. Adalberto Mondesi? Could be. If he's healthy the entire year, yeah. I mean, I, I
1: wouldn't put it past him. People like that. I mean, Astoria Ruiz, with the track record that he had in the minor leagues of stealing bases, is someone that could possibly do it as well if he gets on base enough. I don't really know if, that, if those tools are going to translate. But um, there's a few guys. I mean, Corbin Carroll might be able to do it. Yeah. There's I mean there's a few guys that are I think pretty Carol likely flies. to Yeah. I mean there's a few guys that are pretty likely to have a chance at it I would say. Um, whether or not it's going to happen ever again, who knows. Um it would but be it's interesting. It's really interesting. Um, and I love stolen bases. They're fun. It's an exciting play Mr. that B- we don't
2: get- Mr. bunt singles over here.
1: Dude, I literally could not hit the ball when I played baseball. I mean, I did not have a very uh, illustrious baseball career, don't get me wrong, but that was literally the only way I could get on base was by bunting. I was a terrible hitter. But I, You know what's anyways. funny is I,
2: I, I, I have the frame to be a big boy hit ball far, and I was, I was a slap hitter.
1: I see I've seen you swing a bat before. That checks out. I'm yes. sorry. As someone with a bad swing, <laughs> I know a bad swing when I see one. Trust me. <laughs>
3: oh gosh
1: not, not a power bat not a power bat folks not at all oh you did okay you did hit a dinger in my honor in pitcherless wiffle ball so there is that, that you that do have true. that to bank on so about 90 feet that. i hit that ball you just it was it was it was with our co- powers combined is what it was <laughs> i was there in spirit it was like it was like a ghost moment where it was like uh unchained melody was playing and as the ball came in in slow motion and i was holding the bat behind you and we swung it together well you know what it was i mean i I, i've told the story before about
2: how i i dislocated my shoulder that morning playing softball and i i think what happened was have you ever seen rookie of the year yes it was a rookie of the year situation where i i messed up my shoulder and that was the key to actually hitting the ball hard for once in my life
1: an offense an an offensive henry roan gardner yes I haven't seen that movie in uh, such a long time. I love that movie.
3: It's Man, a classic. Anyways. Uh
1: I think that's probably enough on Jose Siri. I think like kind of the general uh synopsis here is a guy with potential fifteen fifteen plus upside that you can pull at pick three forty three in current drafts seems like a pretty solid value. Not really gonna be competing with anyone uh heavily for playing time. In that raised lineup, probably gonna be a steady center fielder for them. So uh injuries be damned. Should put up some be solid hacked. counting stats. Be hacked. Oh, sorry, yeah, be hacked. I apologize.
3: Nick, I'm sorry.
1: Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh all right. So speaking of steals, we just talked about someone who's a good steals target at 340. So we're gonna talk about a few people that uh a little piranha from the Pictureless Discord asked us about. Uh, When I inevitably forget to draft steals, should I go Leody Tavares, Miles Straw, or Drew Waters? So these are all guys that are currently going, I think, past pick 400 in draft. So this is deep, 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 deep.
2: You know what this made me realize? What's that? I cannot wait until this point in the draft to get steals. Absolutely not. Because the steals are rough at this point.
1: Yeah, there's, Although, there's a lot of downsides to all, most of the guys that you're gonna find down here that will provide you steals. But then again, you could also draft Adalberto Mondesi way higher and still have a bunch of downsides with a guy who's gonna give you some steals. So Yeah. The one thing I wonder about last
2: year, and you know, maybe this is just my my short term memory at work at work, but can you think of a year in like recent history where there were more pop up 20 steal guys in like the second half? Like jake mccarthy bubba thompson john birdie went crazy like yeah. how many dudes just stole a ton of bases in the second half that, like that
3: were, went undrafted in april yeah there was tons of them which was, shocking. It, was it was weird um, and yeah, that, like that circles was, back was, to was... the other thing oh, sorry, about
2: teams yeah. running more that that circles back to the you know rule changes and teams trying to find more ways to manufacture runs I think we, we might be seeing a, a, a little bit of a bounce back to a, an earlier era of guys that run like crazy. But I, th- back to the question, these particular guys are the guys being drafted after 400. I almost think if you're waiting this long for steals, it's almost not even worth it. I'd rather wait to see which guys are getting playing time. Yeah. Um, w- we think because of the lack of depth on these teams in the outfield that Leoti Tavares and Drew Waters are likely to get a lot of plate appearances. So they are decent early bets, but neither is a particularly good hitter. Um, so actually, it's between Straw, Tavares, and Waters, Straw
1: is the one I dislike the most, but Jordan, you like him. I, I mean, I think that he's the one who's most likely to accumulate the most steals out of these. If like, That's the problem you're trying to solve. I think if I think that he's the one who's probably got the highest steal upside um I will say that if you want someone that's going to contribute in other areas as well he's not the person because he's probably going to hit like two home runs all year if he's lucky um so it would be smarter if you wanted someone who's going to give you a few counting stats elsewhere to take Tavares or Waters I'd probably take Tavares over Waters um Again, it's kind of a crapshoot, because this is like past pick 400, and I'm thinking if you're just looking for someone who can, who can accumulate a ton of stolen bases, I think that Straw is probably my favorite. Uh, he's also been pretty consistent in terms of his playing time and like not getting hurt. He's a pretty durable player, so that sticks out to me as well.
3: M-
2: Miles Straw, yes. over the last four seasons, has a combined .066 ISO. <laughs> Correct.
1: Yes, he's not a power hitter in any capacity. The, the definition straw, of
3: slapdick.
2: Straw also describes uh, what he swings at the plate. Whether that be a <laughs> drinking straw or an actual piece of straw like, hey, that's your call. Leave it hey. up to your imagination, listeners.
1: <laughs> but yes, uh, that's, that's kind of where my mind's at with Straw, though, is that I, th- I think that he is the one that's probably going to accumulate the most steals over the 2023 season. Again, it's going to be pretty negligible at this point in the draft. If you want someone that's going to give you counting stats in other areas and give you some modicum of power, then I would say Tavares then Waters in that order. But I think that Tavares is in a better lineup, so that's why I chose him too.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, but I do think that the moral here is don't wait this long for steals. Correct. Don't 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 be a little pirana. Uh, also, if you're a if you're a Twitch watcher, a pitcher list Twitch watcher, uh, little Piranha is our our beloved mod Fur Tree Baseball, who who is a fantastic moderator over there.
1: We are also technically mods on the Twitch technically. channel. Technically, I I have done more it's more, like, it's more very, like an honorary. It's an honorary title. It's 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 a it's, uh, it's like being a sir, or uh. <laughs> In in England. We've been knighted. Yeah, it's 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 being knighted by Nick.
3: Sir Schwebsey
1: and Bunt singles. Oh god. <laughs> Terrible. Uh. Alright, sir. Let's take a quick ad break and then we'll get back to more mailbag questions right after this. Alright, and we are back. Schwebsey's taking a fat drink of his chai latte. <laughs> oh gross, dude. I'm leaving that in, just so you know. I, I I did that. What's the, in op- confidence. What's the opposite of ASMR?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I need you to cut that out, but put it in after the
1: credits. Hey Shosie, I got a really good joke for you that I just came up with. Are you you're leaving that in? No. Well oh, no, no. I mean that, but also I have another good joke. What's a, what? what's a pirate's favorite form of soothing?
2: ASMR.
1: All right. Yeah, you did it. Thank <laughs> you. I'm glad. I'm glad that we have the same brain cell that we like to pass back and forth. Uh, the, joke occur, the joke occurred to me at the same time
3: because of the single brain cell. Sorry. We're like a hive mind. It's terrible, yeah. and wonderful. I love it.
1: All right. Uh, so talked about stolen bases. Let's talk about people who don't steal that many bases. That's catchers. Uh, Justin Havelock uh very good friend of the pod very good writer in his own right it has a site called uh the out pitch gosh i'm so sorry justin uh that he has written some good articles on as of late a good blog there that you should check out uh asked us this question i always do this with catchers so who are the best last round picks at catcher somewhere around pick 250 and beyond uh Schwebzy, what do you think
2: uh i i think based on all of these questions that our mods are bad at drafting. Um
1: <laughs> peak hater energy this week, <laughs> I
2: I tried he, to never He's I, making I,
1: the full it, heel turn.
2: It's not peak because I'm just always up there. It's just that is my base level of hater. Um terrible. So <laughs> the easy answer here post 250 for catchers I think is Logan Ohapi, and uh I actually just learned today that it is pronounced Ohapi because of Eric Cross's panel on prospects today. Uh, so yeah, I think he's the easy answer because he's got a great offensive potential out of the catcher spot and he seems to have the inside track at everyday catcher at bats for the angels who actually will have a pretty good lineup almost one through nine. I think, uh, yeah. I, they, they, I, I recall last time I looked at the angels lineup, I was actually surprised at like how solid it was yeah. really it's their number nine injury. hit, yeah, their number nine hitter is Luis Renjifo, who you know I love. And yeah. like, that's probably one of the better nine hole hitters in baseball, honestly. But if you want to go a little bit deeper, uh, like, there, there's a couple of prospect Hail Mary picks who have less assured playing time, like Bo Naylor in uh, Cleveland for the Guardians or Andy Rodriguez for Pittsburgh. Uh, who was a former Mets prospect, and it will hurt my soul so much if he does well, so it probably will happen. But uh, if I wanted to pick someone who I was confident in as far as playing time and was going a bit later than 250, I would go with Christian Betancourt, just mainly because the dude hits the heck out of the ball. Uh, Last year, he was fourth among catchers in barrel rate, minimum 100 batted ball events. And this is a fun one, too, because he's just, like, a fun kind of player. My dude loves to swing the bat. I wish I loved anything as much as Christian Betancourt loves swinging a baseball bat. He is offended at each pitch that goes by that he doesn't swing at. He's got a sky-high swing rate, sky-high chase rate. And on balance, he's probably not a good hitter. But, you know, he's, he's, he's on a team whose coaching staff, I, I think, does good things generally. Uh maybe you know, maybe the Rays can do something with him. He was he was really good he was really good with Oakland last year. We talked about him on the podcast. Uh and it's it's funny because the the Rays have uh their two main catchers, Betancourt and Francisco Mejia. And if you could combine their skill sets, they'd be like the best hitting catcher in baseball. They'd be they they would be Adley Rutchman if they if you could combine their talents.
1: Truly. And what's crazy is that the last time that uh, Christian Bethencourt played in the majors was 2017 before 2022. And he came back and he just posted like a 90.1 average exit velo uh, and his highest max exit velo of his career. Like he hits the crap out of the ball when he actually makes contact. He had 11.7% barrel rate. Uh, and like, he's not going to be a great asset in an OBP league because he only walks like I think like 3.5% of the time, something like that. Yeah, 3.6% of the time in 2022 uh, between his time in Oakland and the end of the season in Tampa Bay. But he hits the crap out of the ball when he makes contact. And as far as like someone that you're going to find later in a draft, I can't remember what his ADP was. I thought I put it somewhere, but I think it's somewhere essentially he'd be in the the 21st round is where you could get him. And that late in a draft, you can find a catcher that's going to hit for a decent amount of power. Absolutely, I'm going to take that 100% of the time. So... I think Betancourt was the first one that came to mind for me because I was thinking of someone who's got like a very clear path to playing time and he is slated to be pretty much the everyday starting catcher in Tampa Bay.
2: Yeah. The Rays do like to get Mejia in there. Like, I, I think yeah. we're looking at like, I think we're looking at like a, a max of like 375, 400 plate appearances for Betancourt. But I, I that's, you know, in a two catcher league, absolutely worth rostering.
1: Yeah. 100%. So that's definitely where I'm at. Uh was there anyone else that popped out to you at all? What you said no, O'Hopi? I mean Bo Naylor, Andy Rodriguez, and then Bethancourt.
2: Yeah, like O'Hopi I yeah. think is number one by a lot, uh, in, in this group, but you know, uh the the prompt was after pick two fifty and O'Happy is at two sixty, so it feels a little bit like
1: cheating not really cheating i mean you, you followed the parameters i went a little bit deeper just because i mean if you want to wait a couple extra rounds maybe that's an option then too um but i will say the upside is probably much lower than it is with oh so i do appreciate that oh pick that's probably the best call out amongst everyone that we could have chosen from uh all right here's one that another question from justin havelock thank you again justin this is one that i th- i mean ju- it's clear that justin is a fan of the pod because of the way that this question was framed to us which I find excellent. And that is, which big boy hit ball hard, that's in quotes, players should I draft in 2023? Schwebzy, you had a good answer for this one.
2: I mean, this one's easy for me because the biggest boy that hits the ball the hardest is was a, a free agent this year. And oh, actually, was was he traded to Minnesota, Joey Gallo? Or did I honestly, I forget how, how his exit from New York went. But anyway, uh, Joey Gallo has wound up uh, on the minnesota twins and i'm banking on a bounce back here joey gallo would not be the first player to just not be able to hack it in the bronx and you know that go on to recover elsewhere and be good again looking at you over there on the pitcher's mound sonny gray uh also being a homer uh i love a couple of mets to be the big boy hit ball hard Uh, if they make the team out of spring training, a couple of young Mets, the only young Mets really, uh, I think both Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez have paths to playing time and they have the talent to make an immediate loud impact if, you know, they have a strong spring training or if someone like Eduardo Escobar gets hurt, uh, say, you know, same thing for Omar Narvaez or Tomas Nido behind the plate. These are both players who I do not think will wind up in bench roles. If they wind up in the majors, they're going to play, and they both have the kind of bats that can make an immediate loud impact.
1: It's actually funny. I wasn't expecting this when I looked at this, but Joey Gallo is actually going lower than Francisco Alvarez.
2: I will, I will say that that is silly, because there's no guarantee that Alvarez is going to play true Man, but really uh this is
3: uh, alvarez is a, a very high upside pick i'm trying to dig like
1: deeper and see if there's anyone else that i'm really really into in terms of like a power bat uh i think what, you, might, what, you might you might have put down about, brandon uh, belt right
2: yeah our, our our giraffe neck boy over, uh, who has moved from san francisco to toronto is that the the furthest possible move in, uh, that a baseball player can make it's it's up there
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, actually, well, I guess actually, San Diego so. would be longer. Well, San Diego to like New York would be further than San Diego to, to Toronto, because Toronto is like not even that far from Milwaukee, honestly. Like I, I can make that drive in like seven or eight hours, I think. All right. Yeah. So that's just me uh, not
2: knowing where any cities in, in Canada are.
1: Yeah, As the bird flies, I think Toronto is absolutely closer than New York would be. Don't quote me on that, though. I'm not great at geography. That's,
2: I, I say it all the time. I am the oh, less no. smart ho- co-host.
1: <laughs> if you're less smart than me, buddy, I'm sorry. But uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else way down here. Like, I'm looking at, like, ADP 450 plus. Like, that's where Brandon Belt is right now. Minimum pick is at 263. Max pick, 582 since the beginning of uh, January. That's a very wide gap uh, for Brandon Belt. Uh, I think 263 is probably too high for him. I don't know if he gets that many at-bats. I'd say he's still definitely like a post-300 pick for me, but I love the man. He's great. Uh, Someone, Luke Voigt, would be an interesting one, depending on where he actually ends up signing. Uh, That's someone else we're going to talk about in a little bit, maybe in a bit more depth, uh, in terms of like landing spots for him for another mailbag question. I think that's one name that popped out to me, though.
3: Um, Gosh, who else? I don't even know.
2: I'm actually, I'm very excited at the prospect of Brandon Belt uh, just getting DH at-bats. Just just let the man hit. Hopefully it keeps oh, him upright.
1: I got a good one. It's not really a big boy hit ball far because he's not that big of a boy, but Adam Duvall in Boston.
2: Yes, that's a good one.
1: Adam Duvall is going at, like, so ADP currently is 511.03. Minimum pick is 260, which also what, seems uh, what,
2: pretty wild, but. What date range are you using?
1: Uh, since the first of this month. First okay, January, because Duv- Duvall sure... signed
2: what, like two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, so let's let's just do it in the past week. How about that? Let's see what that brings up. So since the twentieth, let's do that and let's see what Duval's ADP is at. No, nah, his his ADP is four seventy nine in the past week.
2: I mean that that is up a bit, uh, but I I'm surprised it is that low because if uh him playing every day uh in that ballpark. Just yeah, going to be putting holes in the, in the monster.
3: Like
1: we are not that far removed from like an like what was it two years ago? He hit
2: thirty nine home runs, runs or something.
3: Yeah, he had thirty eight home runs with one hundred and eighteen or one hundred and thirteen RBI. Like he was good. Yeah, his average isn't uh, But he's slated to hit. Uh, according to
2: roster resource, he is slated to play center field and hit sixth. It's not a bad spot in the lineup
3: not the worst spot I should say but um no I think Edmund Duval would be a fun one absolutely he
2: yeah. can fulfill the prophecy that we uh, projected for Bobby Dalbeck oh
3: our sweet sweet boy
1: let's <laughs> forget about Bobby Dalbeck dang dude the
2: ori- the original in the deep big boy
1: hit ball far truly all right uh are we get? two more mailbag questions that we want to cover one of them is going to be a little bit longer because it's going to allow us to deep dive somewhat into a few players uh let's start with this first one though so there's one from our podcast manager adam howe asking about which current free agents we like and where you want them to sign that would make a positive investment at the end of these early drafts so who are some folks that you are into here Schwebzi? that are still free agents, have not signed anywhere yet, and could make an impact in these early drafts based on an early investment before they actually find their landing spot.
2: Man, uh, the free agent landscape at this point is pretty grim. Like, most of yeah. the impact players, I think, are going to make their impact as middle relievers. But there are a couple of interesting bats left. There, you, know, you mentioned Luke Voigt before. Uh, Jurix and Profar is out there. There were rumors about him winding up on the Yankees, but that has not come to fruition. The one that I'm most interested in personally is Edwin Rios, a an occasional slugger for the Dodgers. Whenever, yeah, I am kind of surprised that he's still out there. Like, whenever I'm thinking destinations for basically anybody, I'm like, please Mm -hmm. let them wind up in Cincinnati because that's the most fun fantasy uh, result for basically any. It's it's like there in Colorado. Yeah, th- those are like the uh, the free squares on the on the bingo board. Because the when when there's a bargain veteran free agent like the the that's the popular destination, and Will Myers wound up there, and that's exciting. I, I know you're a fan of Will Myers being in Cincinnati, but then there's the flip I side of like that. that, and the dread, the pure dread of a free agent potentially winding up in Oakland, bump, bump. in that cavernous coliseum uh and gigantic field uh we we do not like our free agent hitters winding up there because that kind of saps their value but yeah i edwin rios is someone who can hit the ball out of any park so i'd even be interested in him if he wound up in oakland i i still i'm i'm so surprised he's still out there
1: yeah it's a bit surprising to me too uh i think Jerkson profile is the one that was kind of shocking to me that he hasn't made it it feels like the, the outfield market in general both in the majors and also For fantasy right now is so slim, so thin. Um it's it's kind of shocking to me that he hasn't landed anywhere yet. Uh so I'm curious to where he ends up. Uh Michael Fulmer was one that popped out to me as far as like a reliever, because I feel like a lot of teams are looking for bullpen help. And like Michael Fulmer, after becoming a reliever and throwing his slider like so much, there's like a 90 mile an hour slider. In uh, his slider is very very good. Um, after yeah, after reinventing himself as a reliever, like he's put up like pretty solid ERAs the past couple of seasons, three point uh I think three nine this past season. He did suffer a little bit after moving from Detroit to Minnesota this year, which was a bit concerning. Um, but I am curious as to where he ends up landing. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs with a very pitching savvy team who can help him optimize his repertoire. Um, Luke Voigt landing. I know we talked about Luke Voigt and you said this already, but yeah, Luke Voigt landing in like Cincinnati or Colorado would be dope. I know you, you said while we were prepping for the podcast, Luke Voigt and CJ Crone being like a modern day bash brothers.
2: That would be so fun. In Colorado would be awesome. It'd be really, really cool. Um, and they both hit yeah. 210 on the road
1: exactly yeah uh but maybe like 260 at home with like a buttload of home runs
3: sure why not
1: um i think those are the only ones that i'm super duper interested in based off of what i was able to find um i don't know if i have i don't don't think i still have the free agent list up on any of my tabs or anything don't worry there's no
2: one fun you're not missing looking, anything.
1: I'm just looking at like other names here. There's like, I mean, there's like pitchers like Chad Cool or Matt Moore or Zach Greenkey. I, Michael Waka. I don't really care much about any of these guys. Um, you know what? Yeah, though? There's there's no even one though, else here.
2: Even though there's no fantasy fodder to talk about on on free agents at this point, this is so much better than previous off seasons where like free agency like dragged sometimes into the regular season. I much much prefer this sort of free agency where teams are actually eager to sign people
1: yeah no it's awesome they're they're chasing all these folks and they're kind of getting their guys which is really really fun to see I mean obviously for you it's great as a Mets fan because they've signed so many people to very lucrative contracts and are just spending out the butt um but the brewers the brewers signed uh uh, please don't please don't do um, this to me stop
2: yeah keep (laughs) bumming keep
1: And now we're going to have a little ad break. <laughs> and we're back. You just absolutely ambushed me with that ad break. That is incredible. That is terrible. That will be our last ad break for the episode, though. Just so you know, we're going to run this all the way to the end. Okay, so the last question that we got, which was, as Shwebzy tweeted back at this person, this is the single meanest tweet I've ever seen. Alex on Twitter, uh, handle is AJT126, said, Do a mock draft where you can only take athletics, Rockies, Tigers, and Nationals players. First of all, why? Second of all, okay. You're a
2: monster.
3: Let's,
1: let's, 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 let's do it. We'll suffer on your behalf, Alex. So yeah, you're my, welcome my first, in advance.
2: My first reaction was, You're a monster. And my second reaction was, Let's do it.
1: Genuinely. If there's anything that we love, it's, it's just inflicting pain upon ourselves, especially in yeah, a fantasy no, sense.
2: It, using, using our masochistic tendencies to, to enjoy, uh, to, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> to entertain the masses. To enjoy or entertain. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was, that was quite the Freudian slip there, Schwebs. Love that one. Uh, so. What we did is we played a game of uh, online mini golf to figure (laughs) figure out who was going to get the first pick in this draft. The way that it's structured is that we had four picks each. We picked an infielder, outfielder, and then two pitchers. Uh, And we could not draft good players, which uh, good players we arbitrarily
2: defined. And uh, on these teams, like the only good players are basically like Chris Bryant, CJ
1: Krohn, and like a couple others. Javi Baez. I mean, we basically tried to go anyone past pick 200. ADP wise was fair game. Yeah, I so think like I wasn't allowed the
2: draft. Riley Green. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Riley Green was one that we just missed out on because it was uh, like ADP of like one ninety six or something like that, one ninety seven. Uh, so I was fortunate enough, and by fortunate enough, I mean I kicked Schwebsey's butt in mini golf online. Uh, and with my first pick, I took my outfield spot right away, and I took Austin Meadows. Like you sniped me. I did snipe you with the very first pick of the draft, which made me so, 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 happy. It was beautiful. I mean, you got me back later, but we'll get to that. So Austin Meadows used to be a force at the top half of the Tampa Bay Rays lineup when he was like younger had first come up since then. And since he went to the Tigers, he's been absolutely plagued with unlucky and unfortunate health situations. So he's had issues with both of his Achilles tendons. He had COVID-19 complications. And then last year he also struggled with vertigo and then he had very open struggles with mental health issues that sidelined him for the majority of the 2022 season. And like, this is the thing as someone who struggles with both of the latter two of those issues, the vertigo and the mental health issues. Like I feel for the guy and I can't understate how impactful those two things specifically can be on someone's life. So like me, just like carrying on as like a normal person in the world, it's hard trying to be like a professional athlete and perform at that level. Well, dealing with any of those things is crazy to me and is very admirable uh and also very admirable that he is openly struggling with that stuff and is willing to talk about it and share those struggles with the world um so coming to 2023 the fact that he hasn't seen any live game action since last june is obviously a huge concern but when he is healthy this is a guy who has 20 plus homer upside like he had 30 plus for the Rays back in 2019 i think it was obviously like kind of super bounce ball era a little bit uh spurned on by that but compared to like everyone else in the range that he's at like right around 270 ish in terms of adp he's a really really solid value and he's going to hold a prime lineup spot in that roster despite missing most of last year despite the fact that he struggled with all the stuff that he struggled with with that in mind he should be a solid aggregator if he holds that lineup spot and stays healthy and I'm happy to take him here as my first pick.
2: The thing that I thought was so interesting about his 2022 season before it so abruptly ended was he had cut his strikeout rate like in
3: half. Yeah, which
2: is such a like such a fun thing for a veteran to have happen. It's a, it's it changes the player's profile so much. Um, I I've heard it said that the tigers were coaching their players to take a more contact oriented approach and if that's the case uh, meadows jumped in and just and just took it to an extreme because yeah. his iso was like 100 points lower than it's ever been but you know it, it was only 147 plate appearances like he he only had so much time to actually put this plan into action so you know i if, if he can ever blend those two approaches like get to some of his former power while uh, you know adopting a new contact approach like that would be a a very interesting player
1: for sure um so I love this pick obviously and then to be fair we did this like a a traditional fantasy draft we did a snake draft so Schwebzy got two back-to-back picks here Schwebzy uh let's talk about the number two pick overall that you took let's talk about Ramon Loriano.
2: Yeah, no. After I let you win that golf game, like I, I figured. Ah, out yeah,
1: you let me win it, did you?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's
1: really I. Nice I. Of you think I am? boxed myself. What do you think I am I think I'm a, char- think I'm a charity case?
2: I, I repeatedly launched my mini golf ball into the void, uh, on, on purpose, not not through lack of skill. Uh, so Ramon Loreano was my first pick here. He is kind of in a, a similar boat to some of the guys we talked about earlier, like the Cody Bellinger-Jose Siri comparison. Like, he's in that same kind of boat where he's basically in a full season, a, a lock for, like, a 2015-ish season, and the concern is the batting average. He... The, the fun... Well, I, this isn't particularly fun. That's just my default go-to filler word. The An interesting thing about Loriano is that he used to be a good hitter for batting average while still doing the fun power speed stuff there it is again fun uh let's <laughs> find a new word cromulent man i refuse everything is fun <laughs> or cromulent or interesting <laughs> <laughs> getting better is recognizing your flaws okay so uh ramon Loriano is an athletic for better or for worse for uh, better because it means he's on a not very good team and he'll have every opportunity to play or worse because he doesn't have a very good lineup around him and he's in a terrible ballpark for offensive production but the hope here a a hope here because i do think he'll produce his usual no matter what but a a hopeful view of ramon laureano this year is that he plays well and he gets traded because He's about, this is his first year of arbitration. He's making like 3.75 mil, I think. Next year, uh, I'm just ballparking here. If he was in line for a raise to like 5 million, that would make him the second highest paid Oakland athletic tied with Jace Peterson, which is ridiculous. But uh, those two would be behind only. Miss Diaz for salary on the Oakland Athletics in the year 2024. Uh, God. Trevor May makes $7 million, but he's only signed for one year. Uh, so I can only imagine that the Oakland A's reaction to this is not, boy, we should pay our players more. Their reaction is going to be, boy, we should trade Ramon Laureano. So we'll, we'll see if that actually happens or not. If he does get traded, he, it can only be to a better situation by default because he's in the worst situation.
3: Yeah,
1: this is actually going to be my other pick for outfield if for some reason I didn't get the first pick and you took Austin Meadows. Um, yeah, just a really, really interesting blend of power and speed that you're not really going to find with a lot of other players in this range. Um, and again, outfield this year feels so incredibly shallow. Once you get outside the first like six or seven rounds, it feels like it takes a pretty big, big step down. Um, so pretty happy to snag someone like Ramon Laureano. I think this is a really good pick, Schwebs.
2: It's not super easy to find, like, historical ADP. Uh, no. If you're a listener and you, ha- and you have a good way for to find historical ADP, please DM one of us.
3: Please. But Loriano used to go so much higher. Yeah. And his skill set hasn't changed that much.
1: I think like part of it was, like, the P- oh, there, like there, there's, like, the PED suspension uh, stink on him, and then, like, obviously just, like, not finishing a full season in a while. I feel like
2: yeah, the injury history definitely does not hurt. You know, I, I I mentioned that the 2015 upside and that's all prorated because he never actually reaches 600 plate appearances to, to hit that yeah. to, to hit those round numbers.
3: Exactly.
1: Uh, OK, so Shubz, let's go to your next pick here. And this is the one that you sniped me on. Which I'll be honest, I was a little bit upset by, but not that upset because I had someone else that I could. That, that I could take. Actually, you know what I have to say. L- l- little, little do you know, I actually changed my other pick. Too.
2: Oh my God, you did! I didn't even. <laughs> oh, you're a monster. He ch- yeah. he changed two of his picks after we drafted.
1: I changed my mind because there's no rules. <laughs> just, just unbelievable. Nothing matters. Over here. This is a fake draft. I can, I can do it. <laughs>
2: so my my second pick was ezekiel tovar so with my first two picks i took my infield and outfield picks uh i mean no matter what since i sniped jordan it was a good pick i I don't make the rules but one of the rules is uh if you snipe someone it was a good pick but really tovar is coming off a season where he just tore up double a and he put in a good showing at triple a as well and he was 20 years old The only batters 21 or younger who put up a higher WRC plus at double A last year than Ezekiel Tovar were Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll, who are names that if you're you're into fantasy, you have heard those names. The guys behind Tovar are Curtis Mead, Francisco Alvarez, Ellie De La Cruz. You know, all of these guys are like a who's who of the best hitting prospects in baseball. So the fact that Tovar as a 20 year old, you know, matched or, or came close to matching them in A, it's just, it's wild. He was so good. And WRC plus, you know, you might think Colorado team, a uh, good environment for hitting in the minors. WRC plus is supposed to be adjusted for environment. So he, you know, th- th- this is still impressive in, in spite of the environment of the Colorado minor league teams. This could be a complete and total bust, because, again, this is a 20-year-old, and most 20-year-olds fail the first time around. But performing against competition much older than you is a great sign for future production and prospects, and the Rockies have shown a lot of faith in him already. They, they let him debut in the majors last year. This is a dart that I am absolutely interested in throwing this year.
1: Yeah, I was sad that you took uh, Ezekiel Tovar. I was a little bit sad about this. Get, get um, wrecked. Okay. And as far as like you saying that uh 20-year-olds typically don't succeed the first time, uh that's something as as someone who was 20 years old and didn't succeed around that era of their life, I can definitely confirm that. It's not just baseball, it's just kind of life in general. You learn a lot at that age. Uh but yeah, I do like this pick a lot. I think obviously the
3: park, the home park helps a ton. Uh for upside here being in Coors. Um I <sighs> Yeah. I am sad. His best best trait
2: is his bat to ball skills at this moment. And that is going to be, that that should
3: play really well in Colorado. Dig it. All right. Uh, So now I get two in a row here
1: uh, on the round two, three turn. And I decided to go with my first pitcher here. I went with a reliever, I went with Alex Lang from the Tigers. So. Alex Lang is someone who popped out to me earlier in the offseason as a weighted earned strike rate darling, uh, ranking right alongside other relievers like Liam Hendricks, Ryan Presley, Devin Williams, and Ryan Helsley. Like those are all really, really good relievers. Obviously, Lang, also pretty solid. Um, with the exodus of Gregory Soda via trade, a path to a closer role opened up for Lang. Just the floodgates are wide open for him. And he is quite clearly the most dominant arm re- remaining in that bullpen. He's, he has a sinker that sits 96 miles per hour. But the main pitch that he rocks is a curveball that comes in at 86, which is super fast for a curveball. Um, and he throws it nearly 50% of the time. So that also, the fact that he throws it so much makes sense because it's disgusting and had a 44.9% CSW in
3: 2022. Like, that's, that's a busted pitch. That's incredible. Just so, 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 so gross.
1: Um, I'm not going to gush too much about Alex Lang just because we're trying to keep these like relatively short and sweet, so I'll save the gushing and further reasoning why he rocks, but just trust that his curveball and his other stuff are all absolutely nasty, and I expect him to be a force in that bullpen this year. Oh, we,
2: we had a long discussion about Lang yesterday because yes, i i struggle to wrap my head around outliers and alex lang is an outlier among all pitchers it, oh, among all relievers last year yeah you know, qualified relievers he threw the ball in the zone the least he threw the yep. ball in the zone less often than any other reliever last year and i cannot wrap my head around how that succeeds like i feel like there has to be like another foot dropping like an adjustment by the batters but like the numbers are silly like he in in spite of never throwing the ball in the zone he still gets so many swings on balls out of the zone Mm -hmm. he literally two out of three pitches he throws are out of the zone it's a 34 percent zone rate and like that's 34 percent is 2.2 percentage points lower than the next most frequent ball thrower
1: yeah, it's so it's the thing, wild. The thing with Lang, the way that he gets punished is that his his sinker does get hit pretty hard. Um, one of the things though is that because his sinker gets gets hit so hard, I think there's this perception that like that's the thing that you need to punish him on. So I think people will sit on his fastball a lot, and I think that's why his changeup, even though his changeup does not that ha- doesn't have that high of a zone rate, gets so many swinging strikes, is because people are trying to hunt for that fastball and that changeup just tunnels with his fastball, his sinker so well that people get a little bit overzealous and will swing at that and swing over it all the time. So I think his changeup yeah, is I actually mean, like a very good pitch too. Um, But yeah,
2: I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it, but I'm, you know, he, he is a closer going very late or like, like I think he's like a 13th or 14th rounder right now. So I'm going to wind up with shares.
1: Let's see what his ADP is right now. Uh, so it got in the posted past today week, by somebody. In in the past week, the lowest or the, the earliest that he was taken was pick one sixty one. So that's round eleven in a fifteen teamer, which is actually kind of high. Like underneath like the, before pick two hundred is like pretty high, I would say, in, in those types of leagues. And then it's been as late as pick four twelve. The the, the fantasy
2: world j- jumped on that really quickly.
1: Yeah. So this is someone that doesn't even, like, I would say, like, by the time these later drafts start creeping in, he's going to tick up higher and higher and higher on people's draft boards. He's not really
3: going to be even relevant to us as far as, like, deep league, quote-unquote, options. But, um, yeah, good God. Crazy.
1: Um so going back to my second pick now here i decided to fill my infield position and i went with originally i went with cj abrams just because it was like oh yeah he's gonna have like regular playing time he'll be hitting at the top of the lineup for the nationals and i was like that doesn't feel good to me i don't like this pick it just didn't feel good so i went back and i changed it because shrubsey had already filled his infield spot and i was like whatever it's not gonna matter anyways uh and i went with went with ryan mcmahon uh he's pretty much a known quantity at this point. And honestly, I love that I'm able to find really boring and predictable production at this point in the draft, particularly with the fact that third base is like such a shallow position. Once you get out of like the first, like five, six guys, um, the value drops off quite a bit. So I'm glad that I can find like some regular production out of someone. Um, The really nice thing about that is that he's a guy that's probably going to give you like 140 runs plus RBIs for sure throughout a season, like 20-ish home runs, and he stays healthy. Like He's played, in every full season since 2019, he's played at least 140 games, and in the past two seasons, he's played 150 plus. So This is something that I want out of a player, obviously, at this point in the draft. It's pretty nice. They don't really see. Usually, you're taking dart throws on guys who might pop off and have incredible years it's nice to have someone who's going to be just a nice aggregator playing in cores half the year and that's another thing too is if you want if you have daily lineups or if you have maybe like bi-weekly lineups where you're setting it twice a week for monday through thursday and then friday through sunday stuff like that and you can just catch all of the home games he's a 260 hitter at home and that's where he gets most of his counting stats so if you want to have him in almost like a platoon situation, if you have deep enough benches, this is also someone you can take in that sort of scenario as well.
2: Do you have like the third base ADP in front of you?
1: Third base ADP. I can pull it up in just a moment. Uh, I'm going yeah, I'm I'm to dial it back to the Jose, first of the month.
2: Sure. Like Jose Miranda is a pretty popular batter right now. He's going,
1: he's going higher than um, he's going higher than McMahon is. Right, so ATC
2: has the projections in favor of Ryan McMahon in 4 out of 5 categories. More home runs, runs, RBIs, stolen bases. Miranda Uh,
1: is ADP of 144.76. Ryan McMahon is 218.88 since the beginning of the month.
2: So Miranda, uh, uh, McMahon is projected to outproduce Miranda at 4 out of 5 positions, with the only ding being a 17-point difference in batting average yeah so and uh, mo- most of the fantasy community loves miranda i think a lot of the fantasy community is expecting miranda to outproduce those projections but you know the, pr- the projections are what they are they're they're purely a uh, number based and that's what they say
1: yeah i think i think i'm probably like if i am forced to like if i don't get like the fr- any of the first like i'd say seven third basemen. so that's going to be jose ramirez bobby witt Manny Machado, Austin Riley, Rafael Devers, Arenado, or Bregman. I guess Gunnar Henderson, maybe. I think I'm... I don't know. I'll give, me pro- Muncie, yeah. give
2: me Muncie before McMahon.
1: By a lot. M- Muncie before McMahon? Oh, yeah. By I mean, lot, Muncie's yeah. up there, too. But, I, I mean, if I don't get any of those guys, I think I would rather wait until I get to McMahon than try to, like, take any of the other guys in that range. Like, between Muncie yeah. and, like, Rojas are the next seven or eight that are there right before yeah. McMahon?
2: I think, I think the third base shallowness is a little bit overstated. Like there are plenty of guys here that I like, but I, you know, I, I think you're perfectly justified in waiting and waiting and waiting and grabbing someone who's going to give you decent production.
1: Yeah. No. So I'm happy to take Ryan McMahon here. Feels like a good value at two nineteen. is what his ADP is right now, but yeah. Right, Schwebzy, let's get to your last two picks here. Who do you got?
2: Uh, all right, so I needed to get a reliever and a start. Well, uh, I needed to get two pitchers, uh, p- position agnostic. Uh, and I went with Trevor May. Because uh, I, I'm fairly confident that Daniel Bard would not, was not available in this draft uh, based on him being too good, which is a, a wild thing to say. But uh, yeah, I went Trevor May who is my third favorite small to medium sized streamer and also my favorite streamer who also happens to be a professional baseball player. And it sure looks like the A's paid May the big bucks to be their closer. He's literally the highest paid athletic this year at $7 million, which accounts for 17% of the Oakland A's payroll. <laughs> this is an embarrassing franchise, but um, yeah, it, it, it seems like they gave him a big contract are going to give him the closer role. hope that he bounces back to pre-2022 levels and then try to trade him at the trade deadline for a prospect. That's the only thing that really makes sense here to me. Uh we, you know, given the way they run the rest of their team, I I would be shocked if that's not how this plays out. Uh but I I mean, I guess I should talk about his pitching too and not just the the A's financial situation. But honestly, I think I think that's it. I think he's going to have the role unless he pitches so badly that it would be like coaching malpractice to leave him in that role. And he's got a history of being a very good reliever. You know, last year was completely ruined by injuries. So I I expect him to return to form now that he's got you know a, a healthy offseason to get back into pitching shape. I, I you know I, I see him being a perfectly serviceable closer uh, late, later
3: uh, later in drafts. Do you think he gets traded before the year's done? I don't know. I, I would. I would have said that if I thought that. This man's trying not to break yes. right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all uh, just so- uh, for for.
2: Yeah, I know this is an audio medium, but I just want everyone to know that that entire time that I was talking, Jordan pulled his beanie down over his eyes and was like mean mugging me. In the camera to try to make me break. And I made it. I made it through. Barely. You barely you made will, it. I will. I will never break. Except Dude, all the times I, I break. I,
1: I, I need to try to make Schwebzy break during podcasts more often. Even though people can't see what's going on. I feel like it, I feel like it, it loosens things up. Oh, There
2: was one boy. time where, where Jordan had taped uh, like a post-it note with a dirty word to the bottom of his coffee mug. And he took oh, a big I, yeah. sip of the coffee mug. <laughs> while i was talking so i saw the dirty word and uh yeah i am pretty sure i broke that time
3: what was the dirty word i can't even remember don't say it heck <laughs> nick <laughs> we, nick fun. Comes we crashing. fun
2: here
1: nick comes crashing through my door like the kool-aid man <laughs> oh no no it's like, basically, I feel like our podcast is, is like the equivalent of. So it's, it's like Nick is the parent in that video saying, what are you holding? And we are the child running saying a knife. And then Nick, <laughs> Nick just chases the wall. after us.
2: Nick breaks through the wall goes, what is happening? No, really, what's
1: happening? No, please, what's happening? <laughs> God. Uh, all right, Twosie, let's talk about your last picture here. You took your closer. Yes, your reliever. Let's talk about uh, your other pitch that you took here. You took a starter. Someone who I was actually very yes. uh, appreciative of.
2: So this is a name that I've heard thrown around. And after looking into him, I'm more, more into him than I was when I started. Uh, the last time we saw Spencer Turnbull, he looked like he might be breaking out. He put up a 16% K- walk rate with a sky-high ground ball rate and killer ratios. He's tinkered with his fastball from year to year and he seemed to have landed on a mix that works for him and somehow somehow this uh, this blew my mind when i looked it up spencer turnbull had the best is going to have the best middle infield defense in baseball behind him by some measures uh so apparently according to outs above average which is baseball savant's defense metric Jonathan Scope was the best defender in baseball by like a huge margin last year. Correct. And I I think god I it feels like it has to be a fluke, but for for whatever reason OAA loves Jonathan Scope's defense. He's in 80 90 98th or 90th percentile every year. This year he was literally 100th percentile because he was the best, and he was the best by a large margin. But yeah, so apparently uh, Spencer Turnbull is going to have a fantastic middle infield behind him because you've got Javi Baez playing short, who has declined but is still a strong defensive player. The ingredients are here to be an above-average pitcher. He strikes out enough guys, he doesn't walk many people, and he's got really good contact suppression. The contact suppression is probably the key here, and if he can keep that going, i love his chance to put up good ratios the Tigers have moved their outfield walls in a little bit, but I don't think Spencer Turnbull is a particularly home run prone player, regardless of the walls that are behind him. You know, it, it helps, but I, I think he'll be fine. So I, yeah, I, I think God, the, the, I, I always just, uh, whenever I want to like be a jerk about Spencer Turnbull, I'm like, yeah he threw a no hitter. But now I'm going to say that like unironically, he threw no hitter. And not because I'm that. trying not because I'm trying to be a jerk about him, but because I, I think he's actually good.
1: Yeah, Turnbull is a solid pick. Uh now that he's able to come back healthy. I mean, I will be I'll be honest, I kinda almost thought about taking Matthew Boyd in this draft. That's a fun one. Well, Boyd's wait, had, hang on. Boyd had a Boyd had a really amazing year at one point in Detroit. He had like two hundred mm-hmm. didn't he have like a year of like two hundred and sixty strikeouts or something like that? That sounds high, but he did have he did. I know he
2: did have one good strikeout year there. But also, uh, if you had to guess,
1: if you had to guess how many errors were committed by Jonathan Scope this year, how many do you think he had?
3: One, three. Oh, okay. I don't think that's above average. Cares too much about errors. Like
2: it depends on how the error was made.
1: Yeah, none of them were. So he had no throwing errors and three fielding errors. That's it. All right. Which is who do you absurd.
2: got? Who, who do you got between Spencer Turnbull and Eduardo Rodriguez?
3: Turnbull and Rodriguez. Ooh, it's a fun one. Oh man. I I'm gonna say Turnbull. Yeah, I I that's I literally think based I'm off of nothing. The
2: same place.
1: Like, that's genuinely based off of nothing. But that's what I think. That's the I' whole feeling.
2: I just think. I just think Eduardo Rodriguez is too unpredictable and mercurial production wise, Mm. uh, between the, between the health issues and his actual production on the field. It's just, I never know what to expect from him. I I would rather go Turnbull. I I think it's a more consistent skill set, more, uh, reproducible stats.
1: Yeah. Uh, so for reference, when I said that Matthew Boyd had 260 strikeouts, it wasn't 260. It was 238 over 185 innings pitched in 2019. Wow, that is so much more than I would have guessed. Yeah, I mean, he had a four five six ERA. The ERA wasn't good.
2: Oh um, yeah, because he gives up a home run. He gives up home runs like like it's his job. Correct.
1: So unfortunate, but
3: so, I mean, there's so silly there's, Matthew Boyd. There's
1: strikeout upside there in theory. That's so strange.
2: Like looking at his entire career, that's so strange because he had eleven point five six per nine that year, and he's never crossed nine in any other season.
1: Yeah, it's an outlier for sure. I don't know what it was. I'm sure I could go back and look and try, probably like pinpoint something that happened, like a change in usage or whatever. Um, but... Yeah, he was anyways. a high fastball
2: pitcher without a particularly good fastball. And it was 2019, the year of the Super Bounce Ball. So this idea, is, it makes sense.
1: True. All right. Uh, but yeah, I would probably take Turnbull over Erod. And that's based off of almost nothing because I haven't done any like research. On that, I would have to look at that deeper, but I feel like just off of vibes, which, as you stated in your uh panel earlier today, uh, vibes based uh fantasy baseball decisions are uh, the best kinds of decisions, it's the best kind of analysis that one can do.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I prefer to make all of my decisions based on how much dog a
3: player has in him, uh, vibes, and uh, that boy nice, that boy kind of nice. Right, but do he Expense have that dog? Kind of nice. Do we have that dog in him? No. Got it. Got to get an X-ray done, or it's hastily thrown together Photoshop of a dog. It's in there. All right.
1: Last pick in the draft went to me since I started it off as well. Uh, I was going to take a starter with my last pick because, like, obviously, that seems like the most logical thing to do. If you're doing a draft, you need a starting pitcher along with your relief pitcher, right? No. I decided to go with another reliever because I just wanted to get under Schwab's skin and like undercut what he talked about with Trevor may a little bit. We can both be right. No, no, we can't (laughs) not this time. Uh, (laughs) but I, I, I picked someone who I think is truly just like a couple small steps away from being a very elite reliever. And that's Danny Jimenez from the Oakland days. So Jimenez, much like Alex Lang popped out to me because when I dropped my threshold on the weighted or strike rate leaderboard, he was the 14th best reliever in baseball by weighted or strike rate, which is like pretty crazy uh, considering some of the names that are on that list around him. Uh, that's far and away the, also the highest measurable rate in the A's bullpen, obviously because Trevor May wasn't really a person last season. I can't really measure his that much. Um, but I think it speaks to the effectiveness of Jimenez's arsenal the fact that his weighted earned rate was that high, considering he throws like he throws his pitches in the zone so much, so 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 much. Like, this is the exact opposite of what we deal with with Alex Lang. Uh, if you look at his heat maps from last year, Jimenez's slider ended up over the plate so so much, and the same can be said for his four seam fastball. That said, he traded the sinker that he threw for most of his career with the four seamer after the 2021 season, and while the pitch wasn't good per se it performed way better than his four seamer also his slider despite the fact that it lived in the zone entirely too much held an absurd 42.2 percent csw which fun fact and this is like not at all related i just thought it was funny and cool his zone percentage on the pitch was also 42.2 percent. literally means nothing just a cool little coincidence that i wanted to point out um he's kind of like lang in the sense that he uses the slider like a bunch like 50 plus percent of the time and will probably increase the usage of it this coming season um and i think that i would actually be
3: really curious to see what his stuff plus is on the slider because i feel like it's got to be really 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 good i don't know i'm sorry you, you
2: paused like you wanted me to jump in and i was in the middle of a big yawn i'm very sorry
3: no it's okay
1: but like a waiter walking up to you when you're in the middle of chewing your food. The best timing. I uh, Genuinely, I think that's the one thing that I am best at, is being asked
3: a question while I have food in my mouth.
2: I, everyone, I think everyone's the best at something. If that's, your, if that's your thing, great.
3: We don't live in a society that rewards that sort of thing. But I appreciate it about you thanks Schwebs. all right so that is the end of the potentially worst draft that we'll ever be a part of right oh god i hope so same uh thank you for uh thank you
1: alex (laughs) for putting us through that absolute task uh we you're a terrible person terrible person wonderful content though we appreciate it but Uh, but but among my favorite listeners true true thank you alex all right, Schwabzy, that's it for another episode of In the Deep. Almost done with PitchCon. got one more day left. If you haven't tuned in yet, what the heck's wrong with you? Tune in tomorrow, hang out with us, watch some good baseball panels. Uh, capping off with, I think, which it's, it's one of my favorite ones to watch just because you get to see Nick at his most frantic, is the 100 pitchers in, in 60 minutes. Or 50 minutes? but it's it's 50 minutes this year. Yeah. I think it's been 60 in the past, but it's 50 this year. Oh no, cuz he tries to do one every 30 seconds. It's 100 mm. pitchers in 50 minutes, but, that's what it is. But seriously, if you are interested at all in in seeing
2: some of the value that PLV, which is uh the new statistic that we're going to be debuting uh on in February and it it's we're figuring out all of the ways that we can implement it and use it to to enhance our analysis. Check out Scott Chu's panel tomorrow at seven PM, or or today at six PM if you're listening on when we release, uh, and or or you know if you're catching this later, find find the video because he is going to show you a great way that we can use uh, our, our new statistic to evaluate hitters. PLV is going to be useful for both hitters and pitchers.
1: Absolutely, love it. All right. Uh, that'll be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you all so much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. If you want to follow us on our social media pages, you can follow us on our shared podcast account. That's going to be at In the Deep PL on Twitter. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. Schwebsey's handle will be at Schwebzi. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. And you can follow me at Bunt Singles. And we'll be back next, or er, yeah, next week, because we're starting weekly episodes now, aren't we? You know what next week is? Oh. Special surprise for well, not a, really a surprise. We talked about already. Uh, it's episode sixty nine next week, everyone, folks. We got a very special guest coming on, so be prepared for that. And we'll see you next week. Shwebsy, send them out. Bye, friends. <laughs>